Genre classification is an interesting thing. Genres sort of expand themselves into new genres. Genres take from one another and become their own things. And sometimes genres get sliced up into these different little pieces that we call subgenres. And that's exactly the world we're going to be diving into today. I'm Michael Higgins, and you're listening to Strange Lights and Resolutions by Kobayashi with a man who has recently decided to dedicate his life to the metaverse and someone who I am lucky enough to call a friend, James Saunders. James, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm happy to be here. This is interesting. I'm very happy you're here. Uh, and and this album feels super appropriate given, I think, some of our past musical interactions. You've always introduced me to old bands like this that I didn't know existed, but were sort of right within my wheelhouse. Why'd you pick Kobayashi? Well, when you say that's, uh, whenever I talk about music, um, I, Kobayashi comes up a lot because they're, uh, they're like the, I guess, a, a catalyst to a lot of my music appreciation. Um, and, and even then when I say that they are, it's, they're, they, they help for me to grow to a certain amount, but I found them because of, uh, I guess the real catalyst for what I should say, but, um, their style of music just vibed with me so well. Um, I got to see them live. Uh, was it, they opened up for DJ Greyboy. Nice. Um, nice. So, um, I found out about DJ Greyboy because I really like the Greyboy All-Stars who are the, I guess the true catalyst of stuff, uh, in mm -hmm. a snowboard movie that, uh, nobody has ever heard about. Uh, they had two songs in there. Um, one, and I, that's why I'd kind of mentioned before that, like, uh, if I could add a second song, if I could add one song for you guys to listen to or something like that, it's only, so they, their album, a town called earth. Yeah. Um, on their album, a town called earth, there's a song called happy friends. And, okay. uh, like it just, it's at the time when I heard it, I had never really heard anything like it. Like it, it was, it's, it's a funky jazz, uh, instrumental, um, it has a style to it that is, it felt not like jazz or funk, but like, you know, to, to, to put it bluntly, it felt almost kind of hip hop ish, but like totally but fun. Totally. Um, and, and then I found out that they were, it's because they were put together by DJ Greyboy, who was looking for basically a band to, to to make the type of music that he wanted to be doing and and i was just like this a dj put together a jazz band like that makes no sense to me but is awesome and when you hear it you're like oh but i but you hear it immediately you're like i yeah that it makes sense you hear the influence mm -hmm. of hip-hop and jazz and it's it all kind yeah. of comes together and meshes in this really amazing way yeah and i mean like this is uh, the great boy elsters is this little like jazz group and stuff from seattle that like i i think they've come to montreal before but i yeah. not anytime soon i don't think they travel very much they they broke up for a long period of time and they got back mm -hmm. together again mm -hmm. there's a uh a saxophonist uh it's carl denson i didn't write that in my notes and i should have that's okay if i make his mate but it's carl denson who's like uh kind of like a legendary sax phone player in that area in the area of the west coast so like very very well put together boot uh group and really like it just vibed with me i loved it and so 
Um, and then I found out, okay, DJ Grey Boy, I listened to some of his stuff and I was like, okay, that's really, really cool. And um, one day a friend of mine said, hey, uh, DJ Grey Boy is playing at Le Swimming, uh, which was a, a music, uh, like a, a venue club in Montreal that has long been replaced by three or four different venues afterwards. Um, but it was like this really chill, cool place downtown. They had pool tables. They had like a stage that was on 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 the same floor as where you talk or where you where the dancers and that sort of stuff. Like, and yeah, I went and Kobayashi opened up, and Kobayashi. I, I have to say, um, they their um, their tagline was uh, "Jazz man surrender to hip hop." Right. Right. Um, now, the album that we're going to listen to doesn't have as hip-hop really in it as much as it they used to, because at one point they used to have a uh, MC um, okay. that was playing with them at all times. And they also had a, an MC and a, um, and a singer. And like mm-hmm. it, it, the, the whole group together, it was a drum, drummer, turntable, vocals, uh, a female singer, a keyboardist, a tenor sax, uh, an alto sax. These are two that are the two guys that kind of are instrumental in bringing it together. It was Josh Gary and Franco Proati, uh, Pro, um, alto saxophone and tenor, fac- tenor saxophone, respectively, uh, bass guitarist, MC, and then they would have other people that would come in. They also had a keyboard uh uh, keyboardist as well um now to hear this group playing sort of hip-hoppy jazz stuff um i'll give an example of a song that they did that was they did you got me by uh the roots to, like mm-hmm. it, insane i mean like i would the only i would love to see the roots play that live but getting to hear them play it live with an absolutely amazing singer and a great mc who uh, uh, he's again not on this, but his name is Omari Newton. Uh, he ended up leaving the band to go become an actor, and he's made some small parts and stuff. He's a Canadian actor that's done stuff. Okay. Um, uh, and if we have time, maybe I might tell a story about him afterwards. Absolutely. There's, you know what? It's a long album, so there's going to be a lot of time for stories. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, anyways, uh, the present lineup, uh, that that's sort of on this one. It's again, it's it's uh, Franco uh, Proati, who is uh, saxo sax alto flute uh, and uh, med- melodica. Um, which, oh, if I remember correct, yeah, uh, you'll you'll be able to tell where that is. Like, let let me know when it, you hear it's, it. it. Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll be able to tell for sure. And when we get yeah. to it, point it. It's what most people may recognize from uh, the uh, Gorillas, Clint Eastwood. Uh, mm-hmm. You would you would recognize melodica from that? Yeah, uh, you're like, is it a harmonica? Is it not? It's something else. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, but it has like this very distinct sound. It that is. Works it's really really well. That like it. I mean, it was such a kitsch instrument, but you oh, know, definitely, used definitely. properly, it doesn't. Um, there's Josh Gary, who's on saxophone. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, Hadia Di Rodri Radicchio. Now this is, I feel really bad. I'm destroying everybody's names. I'm sorry, it's tired. Uh, I have a high respect for all of you. Uh, I will get better at figuring out your names because I eventually want to do something much bigger with this. But in any event, yes, uh, there's that. Um, 
There is also uh, Ro- Rosinia, uh, Rosinia Kaz, who does a uh, does a quick sort of cameo on Shadows. Uh, she's yep. part of a, a Montreal band called, I mean, a Toronto band called LAL. Uh, that are, uh, yeah, an interesting band. I don't know them that well, but they've done pretty well, I guess. Uh, there's Evan Melnick on turntables. Uh, Radu Fal- uh, Radu Falcon, who's on bass. Uh, Louis Etienne uh, Drouet on drums. Chris Trotter on keys. All right. Well, yeah, I guess that's a, as much of an introduction as I can give. Uh, I mean, I can talk a whole lot more about them going in, but yeah, that's, yeah, uh, no, that's that's great. Uh, I think I think if you're good, we'll just get right into it. Yes, let's go. So here's how the show works. Each week, a guest and I sit down and listen to an album in real time. Sometimes the conversation can get a little technical, sometimes historical, but almost always personal. And you can listen along with us. All you have to do is listen to the countdown and hit play on the album at the same time as the beep. And it'll be like you're listening right along with us, hanging out in the room. So without further ado, Strange Lights and Resolutions by Kobayashi. Three, two, one. All right. Hey. So the second the drum break came in, I was like, okay, there's some piano. Okay. So I guess I'm looking at, so James has sent me kind of a jazzy album. And it's very jazzy. I have to warn everybody here. That this is a jazz album. If you guys... Yeah. Anybody that doesn't like jazz probably isn't going to like this as much, but. But the second the bass line came in. Oh, yeah. I was in. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. And then once you started mentioning Greyboy All-Stars and Greyboy and everything, I was like, oh, here we go. Because I don't know if you remember this, but there's like a pretty early act, uh, like uh, interaction in our friendship uh, where you were over at uh, me and my wife's place and we were chatting about music and at some point you were like, I I think it's kind of like, have you ever heard of the Grey Boy All-Stars? And I was like, hold that thought. And I pulled out a Grey Boy uh, LP that I own, Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Grey Breaks Volume 1. And you you were like, oh, and I was throwing it on my turntable and our wives were kind of looking at each other being like, look at these two nerds over here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I nerded out hard when I, that that was that was great when I found that. Uh, yeah, it, she, they're just like, did these two just become best friends? And I, it was like, yeah, maybe, leave us alone. You're <laughs> <laughs> just going to sit in the corner and listen to music and be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but that album in particular, that, that Grey Breaks album, is super influential to me and my kind of, I'll say growth as a musician from when I was playing with turntables back in high school. Um, My brother came home from university with a copy of it as a CD. And he's like, you should check this out. And I was like, man, I'd love to have this on vinyl. Like it would sounds like it'd be great to mix with or there's really great, great breaks on it. You play it on one turntable, you scratch on the other. It's pretty much all I could do. Mm-hmm. And I went and I found it on a on a website, this uh, record store. I used to order records from New York because I didn't know how else to get records because I lived in a small town in Canada. <laughs> and the description of the Grey Breaks album noted that every turntablist should have two copies of this in their collection for 
turntablism purposes. And I was like, oh boy, do I buy two? And then I only bought one and I should have bought two because then I could have learned to beat juggle. But that's beside the point. <laughs> but it is still one of my favorite uh, records. Just this nice groovy kind of hip hop jazz breaks. And so when you drew that line to Kobayashi, and I started listening. The second, pretty much the second the bass line comes in here on the first track, Never Was, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Well, I, I, you know, I've been saying jazz a lot, but I, I should really be saying acid jazz. Yes. Because that's the, and, and, and there's a distinction with that because acid jazz, which again, when for a long time, when people said, what's your favorite, favorite style of music or that sort of stuff, I'd say acid jazz. And like, they ask me like how can you explain it and i mean i could say stuff is just like very influenced by hip-hop very influenced by sort of uh um electro not just sort of like your i mean jazz is usually a lot more sort of not electric music uh not electric uh like yeah there's electric guitars in it or yeah there's there's obviously keyboards that are electric and that sort of stuff but um like stuff that's almost more towards uh like a house or you know electronic music it's mixing in that type of stuff and yeah it just this is i i love this i i love the sound i love how it has like a um the 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 same way that a jazz will take you on a journey and you go walk well this is jazz on acid i mean i yeah and i love like they're just like these nice breaks these loops like just i mean this bass it just kind of like this groove that kind of hooks you in and like i just think i i see a record spinning when i hear music like this right and just taking a quick look the, the second i open up the wikipedia for acid jazz i see french disc jockey giles peterson and i'm like the, yeah, okay, there it is. I guess apparently it's his, he, he invented the term. But like, you know, I, I see elements of like, not all the way, but elements of like the Moax uh, scene in the 90s. Uh, mm. We're very, very into sort of acid jazz, maybe a bit more. Uh, they took it a little, they kind of slowed it down even further. And it became what we kind of now know as trip hop. Uh, but yeah. like, I see all these things sort of, uh, like all these, it's just funny how uh, genre and subgenre, everything like ends up kind of working. Um, you know, all like one begets the next, begets the next. Like di different things grow out and splinter off from different scenes. Oh, I love that. Uh, that, that so I had this um, musical journey that I went on and. I sound very hipster when I say that, but uh, whatever. No, I, it's okay. At <laughs> one point, I realized that all the really the the hip hop that I really enjoyed listening to uh, back in the I guess early two thousands and that uh, all they're all sampling from funk, and I was like, well, you know yeah. what? Let's let, let's go back, and I want to listen to the original funk stuff and go into go listen to some of that and. I'm listening to all this funk. I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. And I think I had like it was at the the time when Spotify was starting to come in and it mm -hmm. allowed me to really just sort of trace tons of uh, album to album and also like playlists. And I, I, I saw how funk kind of turned into disco. Yes. I kind of yes, followed totally. that path from funk into disco and then mm -hmm. how disco turned into house, which at the time uh, my neighbor 
that was below me was a house DJ in Montreal that like specialized in getting like old school, uh, like original house stuff from like the 80, early 80s and be, a, like end of the 70s style. That yeah. I didn't even realize house was being produced at that. And he's like, yeah, no, a lot of the, the house came out of disco. A lot of the disco sort of DJs were starting to play around with this, you know, totally taking away the lyrics and just more the electric style of it. And, and he was letting me to... listen to this. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, he, he had me listening to stuff that I was just like, this is amazing cool like sound house he's like yeah this is from like 1979 i'm like wow this was being produced and i like this is wow and dj is finding the way to find like you know find those find those really tight like those those parts that you just love those breaks that you love and finding ways to loop them back and forth on turntables and basically get just like that part of the song that you love if you got two turntables you can make that part play forever and the party can just keep going right and like that like the way all of this sort of it's funny because there's like hip-hop and like house scenes are pretty like different but they have like similar sort of roots in Mm -hmm. the like technology i guess of it all which i'm just kind of really nerdy about i've been just way into you know my turntables ever since i was a teenager but had no I had, there, there, you know, where I came from, there was no scene. There was nowhere to like learn things from. So I went to like the internet, which we're talking early internet too. So mm-hmm. like there was a time where I was learning how to scratch by like buying VHS videos of turntable tournaments, like turntablist tournaments yeah. and trying to watch what they're doing with their hands and go, okay, th- that's how you do that. Or this is how you do that and never quite being able to get it to work, right? And there's nobody else to learn from. There's literally nobody else that that was trying to do that where I came from because there's no scene, Um, which is why I'm super jealous of people that got to grow up in places like, you know, Montreal. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm actually from an even smaller town. You're, yeah, you're well, a, maybe you're not, as, not necessarily. Yeah, you are from small town too. Like the, not to, but like uh, I grew up outside of Montreal. So coming into Montreal, like mm-hmm. a lot of this like eye opener, and like when I went to, for example, yeah. to go see DJ Greyboy open, that was one of the first time I went to go see like a, a, a bar band play. You know, or not? A, they weren't not the same category as a bar band but yeah if it had this feeling that i was like okay i'm not at like a giant venue i'm not at a music festival i'm not i'm just into like this bar this chill sort of feeling of it and i can just sort of like you know have a beer and sit back and listen to this or get up and dance or go and play pool or like but like just just take it in right yeah so oh. we're already, I mean, we're a couple, like two thirds of the way into the second track on the album here, Midnight Ambulances, yeah. but like, I, there's a couple of little flourishes on the hi-hat there. Like, I just, I love a good breakbeat. <laughs> I just like, I'm a sucker for drums. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like that's, again, this is the cool thing is that like, that's, it's, it's, there's jazz, but like breakbeats and jazz and, and even like a yeah. you know this song is a little bit more sort of traditional but like the 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 flute the way that he's playing the flute it sounds almost electronic yes yes There's like i don't know if he little, has a filter on it if he's playing it through a uh through a filter but i i'm turning it up a little bit because like there's there's elements of it that it's it, it sort of it's a flute, but then it also, yeah, it sounds 
it drifts into almost like synthesis, right? Yeah, it like just has this pew, 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 the way that he's, he's doing. Yeah, yeah, this this whistle that's in it that he might be just doing that um like straight up. It might not be a filter, but it it has that feeling of it. Like you know, a filter yeah. is copying something that's analog, right? So yeah, yeah, this. Ooh. That, like, I, 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 love that. I love that sort of break, and then he goes in. Oh man, that that like those are I like those pauses like that. That remind you like, oh hey, over here, we're we're, we're, yeah. we're playing this shit, right? <laughs> because yeah. you've been in that, you've been locked in that groove for you know over five yeah. minutes, and then for that like an abrupt stop or pause like that, you're like, huh? Like oh. it, it reminds and you. And then how is how this ends now? Just with the piano going back to the original, you know, pat like slow light piano sort of fading off uh, super yeah yeah I, I mean part of me listening to music like this is accepting the fact that i'll never be able to play like this and that's okay <laughs> but I, you know it's just i, I started I, I teaching it. myself how to play piano and now i want to go up and play around with that and then we go into something like here. So there, there's not a lot of, uh, uh, like, not all the songs have lyrics and not all the yep. songs have, have singing on it. Um, uh, and, and when they do, too, it's not the same type of singing as, like, a song where, like, a, a song that's based off of, like, like rock and roll styles or, or like, I mean, the three, mm -hmm. or jazz, or, I mean, uh, blues, the three, three, uh, 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 anyway, with blue, anyways, the blue standards. Like, it's not... A lot of times the singing, it, it, it flows, but it doesn't flow in what we used to in pop music. Right. It's, and it's not very standard. We'll just go like chorus, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, yeah. chorus, and what, whatever, you know, like it's not, um, it does, cause it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to follow these like standard no. kind of patterns that we're used to. Uh, yeah. Like again, a song can be six and a half minutes long or whatever, and mostly consist of one groove, but then people taking off their little pieces yes. with it and giving their own and coming back together. I mean, those are sort of those elements of jazz that I think we all love. Where this kind of takes that, but like incorporates pieces of of other genres outside of jazz, like namely hip hop, but yeah. I love oh, yeah. R&B. It's good. And then now it's just we go into something else. Like I said, like not following that standard of like we, we had a nice good section of her singing. And then now we're going to go into another part. We're in another area of the journey. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a journey. It's a, that's what I love about um, uh, what, what it helped me to enjoy about uh, jazz. Uh, Kobayashi was the journey that you could be taken on and like being in a, mm. it, being able to see them live, you really felt that, you know, like they, they would take you places and they. What, would, uh, would I be correct to assume, do they do, do they do a lot of improv live? Um, no. But, like, or, or I should say, when I say improv, I mean like, like maybe jam a little bit around some of these sort of set grooves that you would hear on an album or is that like they might have but i'm we're talking almost like we're we're getting close to almost 20 years since I yeah it's true it's true know? Like yeah, this yeah. is a I, I i saw them for the first time in like 2000 2000 2000 2001 i think mm -hmm. was when i saw them uh, i think they only they they broke up in about 2007 okay but uh 
yeah and, and they went places so this is you know one of the things i i wanted to go through um uh is to try to see like where a lot of these people are now and what are they doing now and stuff yeah and yeah. um and so the singer uh who i'm gonna refer to as d which is her nickname uh because i'm gonna slaughter her name otherwise and i shouldn't be because so she left the band to go and study law in toronto okay um and ended up getting uh her her degree in uh jd and criminology and okay. um wrote a uh wrote a, a an essay called black on bay street uh which is a, a how she sort of like felt trying to get into a very uh a very um a very uh how would i say that without sounding too but racist but i mean like a, a very white male um oh, no, and it is. like that's extremely white and and even yeah. they like within the within that they know that it is type deal but and it was her sort of experiences trying to go into this because she mm -hmm. is very not white or black or white or male um and uh you know and it's it's an interesting read and there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of like uh fascinating to to kind of hear that perspective of what you have to go through sometimes that has nothing to do with how good you are, um, how how good you're, you're uh, how good you are in school, how smart you are, how intelligent, but like just the the person to person relation that you need to make when you're uh, trying to get a job. Yeah. So yeah. So that and and that that got a good press, and so and she ended up um, leaving law. And ended up going and getting a PhD, uh, and this is from her uh, a PhD in the intersection of gender and parenthood in workplace relations. Oh wow! The um, uh, I, the article did she do it for the Globe and Mail? I think so. Yes. I, yeah, I you think can, that I've, I've it, found if it you right here. if you look up black and black on yeah, Blay Street. I've, I've Street so if if anybody listening wants to look it up, if if you look it up, you'll find a Globe and Mail article. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. But I mean, like, what what a different like. This is, I mean, I'm sitting in like when I when I, I I you know I had a celebrity crush on her and I'm like you know <laughs> in the you know staring up and watching her play and watching uh, this this girl amazing vocals and that sort of stuff and then she leaves and becomes a well respected lawyer well respected in everything that she's done that's completely I mean it's not music. It's not, yeah. uh, and, and, and I'm not going to say like, what's, which one is better, which one's not obviously a lawyer compared to a starving artist is a very big difference in life and that, but like she built herself up from, uh, a, a very lower class, um, a lifestyle or mm -hmm. lower class family to, to make it to that and excel in that. And it, mm -hmm. it's powerful. It's, it's amazing. It's, uh, and, um, yeah, I, I, I have this idea of doing a my own, whether it's going to be a podcast or whether it's going to be something that's more of a documentary. But I, I, I want to go and try to do little interviews with a lot of the people that were part of this band. Um, yeah, not necessarily to do it as a uh, um, as a a bi biopic of it, but more just of a how many of these bands come out and do well and like they. Kobayashi did well. You can find uh, articles now that they they made it pretty well nationally in Canada. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, 
it's not exactly sort of like the most popular genre, but they they did make it out there. But for whatever reasons, uh, they they didn't. And and I mean, like I I have heard that there was like most times when there's a breakup, there was tension that happened. So I I want to make sure that I'm very careful and not step on anybody's toes or not you know make sure, any assumptions sure. or anything like that. But yeah, uh, I mean that going forward and saying there there is still a lot of the uh, artists that are doing so like Franco um, who is one of the people that started it he has his own called the Franco Peretti Morphet Morphet and he's still active and very much similar style of music just yep. with a, a different uh, cast I guess okay um, I didn't really seem to find okay this I I really like the start of this song. Sorry, it's just it's that, two cents. That upright, it's that upright bass. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, yeah. That's so on tra track four, two cent, and um, I will point out because uh, I can't help but do this when 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 I make the podcast because I have Spotify open while we're doing it. This uh, this song out of everything on the album, this is the most streamed. Um, yeah. So t take that with a grain of salt. That doesn't mean it's the best song on the album, but certainly it's uh, popular. <laughs> Oh, it has a good jump to it. Like it has a good like, yeah. you know, it, this is also too with this. And also here comes the, uh, <laughs> the scratching. Yes. I'm going to turn so, it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So interesting enough with this. So, so the DJ Alvin uh, Melnick, um, I had to confirm this. So this is another example of stuff. He's an art director at Nike now. Okay. He was a graphic designer, um, uh, well-respected, did a lot of sort of stuff. I actually was able, to, um, because Montreal is a small city, uh, I knew somebody that knows him. I went and I contacted him on LinkedIn. I'm like, hey, uh, I just want to make sure, are you the same, uh, same Elvin, Evan, sorry, I said Elvin, uh, same Evan that was on, um, uh, that was on Kobayashi. It's like, yeah. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. And uh, I, I shouted out to him more. Hopefully I can get into some conversations with him about yeah. some other stuff as well. I'd love to, but like, yeah, that's art director for, <laughs> yeah. Art director for Nike is, uh, is another one of these examples of, Not bad. you know, uh, if I would have well, told him at that point when I saw him sort of at bars playing, uh, was it uh, DJing at bars that he was going to one day be an art director for Nike? Oh, I mean, wonder it's, if he um, I, it's fun. I think. I, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not from Montreal, but I get from like the reading and stuff that I do. I I get the impression that there's a really really cool art scene uh, there. Sorry, I, I'm I'm realizing I'm shouting because I turn the music up so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Kid Koala. Um, yes. And, yes. Uh, oh, he's so cool. He's such a like. I I I'd like to come back and do a Kid Koala album. Like it's, it's just oh, such man. a. You should check out his Instagram. Check out his Patreon for anybody oh, yeah, listening. No. Check him out. Oh, yeah. he's, he's great. Um, and uh, he also he had a, a band that he would play with sometimes called Bullfrog. But then Very like you know, cool. sometimes yeah sometimes you know he'll he'll be on. I was watching. Um, my gosh, I want to say I was watching The Mandalorian. And I open up Instagram and there's a post from Kid Koala and it's just like, well, one of his uh, friends from when, when he was at school 
in Montreal. He's just like, so proud of you. It was the, she's now a, a director and she had directed episodes of the Mandalorian. I'm just like, well, like, you know, I, I just picture all these people hanging out on like the same floor in like university. And just like, <laughs> you're going to be this awesome musician. You're going to be directing star Wars. You're going to be just like, what, what's happening? Just like, um, I don't know. I, I'm just a nerd for that stuff. Well, I mean like this, it's, it's not, I mean, the, there's, there's not that many schools. I mean, it's a small city, Montreal. It's not a huge city. Um, and on top of that, if you're English, you're, it's a really small city very quickly sure, if you're English. Right. And, you know, everybody went. You know what? It's funny. You're saying about Kid Koala. Uh, one of my best friends growing up, his sister uh, dated Kid Koala for a while. Uh, I had no idea that this happened. And I, I mean, that sort of stuff. But it was one of those, like, if I would have known that she was dating Kate, I would have just been like, come on, I want to meet him. Um, but you don't even have to. I've gotten a chance to meet and talk with him when he's done uh, these things called music to draw to. Oh, I, he's been doing it online uh, since yeah. lockdown started. So he's been well, doing he it just did a couple in Mont- Yeah, but he did a couple in Montreal a couple weeks ago, maybe a few months ago and that sort of stuff. And I missed it because I was working. But... Um, um, yeah, sorry. I, I, I have to point out because that, that part of the album jumped out at me. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's, um, it's a classic turntable uh, scratch sample that whoa ha. Yeah. Um, okay. And I, I, have, I have that on, on multiple, multiple records in my collection here at home. Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you buy, like, when, you're, when you want to get into scratching, you buy scratch records that are just basically filled with a bunch of samples. So they're all in one record. They're easy to access. And that is a very popular, huh, huh, huh. It was a very popular one that everybody loves to use. And when I heard it on there, I was like, nice. Yep. Clutch. You know what you're doing. So sorry, I digress. No, no, but that's fine. That's cool. I mean, we were talking about scratch. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. the way that uh, Kid Koala scratches is it, he's unique. Um, there's, there's something else, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen him play with. I saw him play with Bullfrog and like live, and it, it's to see him with like uh, a hard rock, like heavy, like a hard rock heavy metal group, and all of them are all like playing the playing his keyboard. Uh, sorry, playing his keyboard, playing his uh, his his turntables like a guitar. Because yes. if I remember correctly, he had set it up so that he could, it was he hanging. Could stand upright? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was standing upright. Oh, man, it was. <laughs> yeah, he's also like a tinkerer, right? And like, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, so he, he he comes up with things. Uh, he's an artist. He's uh, he's fantastic. I really recommend people check out, at the very least, check out his Instagram. But uh, his uh, his Patreon includes the music to draw to sessions uh, every every week. Uh, mm-hmm. So you would get access to his uh, live streaming version of music to draw to, which is like just like super chill. So like if you're looking, I unfortunately I'm always busy on Monday nights playing D and D, but uh, if I wasn't, I'd be probably just chilling out uh, with like music to draw to uh, in in the background um, of of whatever it is that I'm doing. But uh, yeah, uh, his his Patreon's been great uh and uh yeah anybody i I really recommend i've seen him uh i've only seen him play once sadly um and it was uh opening for arcade fire okay um i should have seen him twice but uh the first time 
Um, I would have seen him. He was opening for Radiohead. And my friend who lived in Scarborough, I wasn't from Toronto at the time, insisted that we had loads of time to take the subway to get to the show. And we ran to our seats as the first song started playing uh, by Radiohead. Yeah. So I missed, I missed Kid Koala, the, the opener, and I was really ticked off about it. And well, you know, who, just... if you're listening, you know who you are and you know it's your fault we were late. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice. Uh, oh, yeah, no, he's a, uh, um, and like at the, and, and you know what, this is, so a song like this that's playing, it's a lot more sort of mellow beat. And that, so this is the type of stuff, I'm not saying that he's chose this song, but this is the type of stuff that he would choose to, for music to draw to. And like, and he would yes. just, he, the one I've seen, I, I've gone a couple times, you know, with my sketchbook and like, he's just there. You could go and talk to him. Yeah. Like, you could just chill. Like, uh, there was, it was super relaxed venue setup. That is another way to sort of listen to mu listen to live music. That I, you know, I can't. I, I don't know any other way to do it like that. I mean, yeah, sure, you could go to a place that has a DJ, and they're like, okay, we're gonna play down tempo, low music. But um, to be in a a place and you have so many different artists all working on their own stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it was such a yeah. cool vibe that he created. It's a really cool idea. And and I, I, I've always appreciated how he's just into, just like, kind of trying, like, more than just, he kind of goes a little bit beyond just the music and he's into the experience. He has the satellite turntable orchestra as well. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever seen that, where... Uh, you go, everybody sits down and everybody has a small turntable and a few little like uh, EPs that he's pressed um, for people to use. And you, you drop them on, they're color coded. So as the lights say turn orange, people put their orange record on their turntables. <laughs> it all goes through one sound system, but the records are going through guitar pedals and you get to, and so everybody, he's doing stuff on stage, but everybody else is also sort of participating with their own turntable adding to it. So you're part of the music. You're, you're adding to the music yourself. Um, you know, that's just something again, I would love to do personally. Ah, I mean, for you, that's a, so interesting that you said just sort of like, adding to the music um maybe this is kind of like an aside but i always found mm -hmm. that it was kind of cool with this song there's like this sound that's going in the background kind of sounds almost like crickets but you're turning it up yes i hear it yeah i mean digital crickets it's not actually crickets but but it, it creates this atmosphere that like and these are the sort of stuff that i remember seeing these guys live and how like you know they it, they didn't have this giant light show, but sometimes, you know, all the music, all the lights would go down. There'd be just sort of blues, blue light that would be coming out. There'd be a little bit of a fog machine going out and you just really feel like you're in this, like. It just, it's a mood. You get given, yeah. it's like, this is the, this is the zone we're all going to be in for the next, yeah. in this case, 11 minutes, this song. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, I mean, and. You know, seeing this live, you know, like it's just like you can't really dance to this. You just sort of sway to it. Mm -hmm. You just sort of like if you're if you're inebriated enough, it's a little bit easier to let yourself go. <laughs> but at the same time, even if you're not, you just have to let yourself just 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 fade away, you know, and just soak it in and and yeah. and, and kind of fall into it, right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, I. Uh, 
I miss I miss live music so much. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been yeah I've been dying to get back. We have shows coming up in the new year. I keep I keep talking about how excited I am about them on on the show. It's funny. Like I was talking with somebody about that. It's like I don't I don't know what show that makes me want to be like I want to go see that. Like there's there's so far I haven't heard anything that I've been like. Excuse me. I, I have to go see that. I think the closest to it was uh, I heard that uh, uh, was it Primus was doing. Okay. Um, uh, it, it is is doing a tour where they're doing uh, a Rush album. Oh, that's interesting. That's um, very interesting. Like Primus Rush. I'm always um, I'm always curious to see kind of how some stuff is done live. Um, yeah. I'm I'm seeing the avalanches in February, and I'm very curious oh, about how yeah. they're doing uh, material from their latest album uh, live because mm-hmm. they had so many uh, so many guest vocals uh, on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when they tour, they tour with an MC and a singer, so I don't know if uh, they'll take up the helm for some of those songs or if they're just going to play like sampled vocal uh, over top or or what. But either way, I'm I'm pumped about that one. They're I'd recommend. Have you listened to uh, uh, is it uh, Quest Love's podcast? I haven't yet. Okay, um, so the first one to get yourself uh, uh, the first one to 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 get your feet wet into it. He he interviews the Avalanches. Oh, okay. And he talks about how influential the Avalanches were to him. And really, like the like massive fan instantly he was just like i yeah it was very interesting to hear him talk about how much he how excited he was to listen and how 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 he was just like blown away by the avalanches and what they were doing and there was something happening um in like it was like the late 90s early aughts like more late 90s but this was just like there was something happening in music that has there's like a whole sort of bubble of music from that era that has stuck with me so so closely it's influenced like everything i like i love about music and um there was like frontier psychiatry was like mm-hmm. a game changer for me i'd never heard mm-hmm. sampling done that way before um but then also everything DJ Shadow is doing and the Uncle Project, like there, and it's all very late nineties, you know. Especially the Uncle Project, yeah. it's like we got Richard Ashcroft on the record, we got Tom York on the record. And it's just like, but it's everything to me, um, you, you know. And, and I've never, I've never let it go. And I'm looking, I'm just like, wow, that's more than twenty years ago now. <laughs> oh, and yeah. uh, and I'm I I don't care, I don't care. It was like an era of my life that. Uh, was just like super important and it's probably the only reason like you're i have turntables and all this stuff that you see behind me right now on the video yeah. it's like keyboards and guitar pedals and synthesizers and whatever um you know it uh there was just something kind of open like eye-opening about uh, a, a lot of that and nobody i knew listened uh listen to this stuff you know i had to find it on thank god for much music like late night much music mm-hmm. that's how i discovered so many artists that i loved on the wedge that's how i discovered kid koala it was a i saw i saw a music video on the wedge and i was like what is this canadian cool <laughs> yeah um anyway 
I digress. Oh, that's no, but that's still cool as a way. To, you know, it was. It's funny. The thing that got me, uh, what what had me sort of uh, my my introduction to music mm. was Napster. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like it just that 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 blew my mind. Where suddenly I was able to be exposed to so much more music. That and uh, I mean, as a, as a side, which was just before Napster, around the same time, I got a. Uh, um, a Sony uh, M mini disc player, and I could just record from the mini albums from friends. Player. I my, miss my mini disc player. If I my, could go my back, my brother to had one, one would... and it was like he that's how he would record his band all of their live shows. He would hook his yeah. mini disc player up to the board and would capture all their live shows digitally on on a mini disc player. Um, he was a, he was a, really intense about it and like. I, there was like a moment where it was like, is mini disc going to be the next thing? And then it just kind of wasn't because MP3s yeah. came, MP3s came so fast and hard well, copy media just sort of. Yeah. Sort well, of that's physical. unfortunately what happened. Like uh, my mini disc player died. I got a second one from, uh, how was it? Uh, warranty. It died a second time. And then they're just like, yeah, we don't have any mini discs anymore. Here's an MP3 player. <laughs> You're like, what's an MP3? I remember the early days of MP3s where I just went to like a GeoCities website and downloaded okay. them. Sorry, I'm just going to catch you. This, I really like how this comes in. Like Shadows? The, the, the keyboard. Yeah, shadows. They're just how the... Burning it up. It's just the, the, the in and out of the, the keyboards just to it's Like old volume swells? Or... Yeah. 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 And you have the, the, the drums playing on it. Nice. Sorry. Upright bass. Upright bass. <laughs> yeah. I, I have played an upright bass once. Um, I went into a vintage uh, guitar shop and I noticed an upright bass in the back and I walked up to it and I plucked one string and I felt it resonate in my body. And I was like, oh my God, I want one of these. And then I saw the price tag and I was like, oh no, I cannot afford that. And then I turned <laughs> and I noticed the owner giving me a look as if to say, don't touch that. And I was like, mm -hmm. cool, sorry. <laughs> and that is the only time I've ever played an upright bass. Went boom, ooh, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that was it. <laughs> uh, I have a good friend I grew up with. Uh, his name is Kyle Morank. And uh, he he got into jazz, was in the jazz sort of um, in Montreal, played at jazz festival, played with multiple mm -hmm. uh, like jazz things. And, and and he played upright bass and like how you just sort of like drape himself over the bass as he played. Like it was just such a cool sort of. There's something about it. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something about it. Yeah. I like it. I'm into it. So yeah. interesting enough, the bass player, uh, his name is Radu Falcon, and he's a teacher. And uh, he had taught at a high school for a while, and then I think now he's at uh, a uh, college that he teaches okay. at. That. And uh, I remember when I was in school and I was talking about this band Kobayashi that was one of my classmates. I did illustration and design at Dawson. And one of my classmates was just like, oh, yeah, he was my teacher. He, yeah. That, <laughs> that, you know, he was like, a cool high school teacher. Like, it just wow, that's great. Like, it's small world. That's that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. You know, um, my uh, my brother played in a band for you know many years. Um, 
they were what not this style of music, but they were sort of like um, the best way to describe them was they were a band that played house music, um, and would would do a lot of like jamming, but a lot of it was based around that like four on the floor house music uh style like it, what you would expect a house dj to be spinning they were playing live but then they were also kind yeah. of doing improv and whatever and would kind of jam out and some songs could end up lasting you know 20 30 minutes or whatever of just straight playing before they might kind of pause and take a break and you're like Oof. um and uh you know his his he's a lawyer now and his buddy is a uh is a high school teacher and yeah i mean you you know um Sometimes you do this stuff for a while and then you're kind of like, all right, well, that was, that was a fun little run we had and we're going to move on to where we're going to move on to in life. And yeah, uh, and that's fine. Yeah, and it's perfectly OK. And I mean, and, yeah. and if you're, you're lucky, you have stuff that's being that that's being replayed on uh, on radio. So you get a nice little check every now and again. Oh, yeah, um, if you're lucky, definitely. I knew somebody that uh, you he had a uh, use in a French band, a uh, Quebec French band uh, that made it kind of okay in the big in the arts. Um, and uh, was it, it La Loi de Cactus? I believe that was the name. Um, in any event, and I was talking to him about it, and he's just like, "Yeah, you know what? As a our band as a business, we we came out like there was no money lost. Like we didn't make ton of money, but we we also it's just like all our instruments were played for. Like we didn't we we didn't." And the band on anything on a on any um, uh, what do you call it uh, with any debt and on top of it like there's a small like uh, uh, was it I think it's on Cirrus there's like a French radio station on Cirrus that plays his songs enough that he gets a not a big check or anything like that but every now and it's again like just to remind him that he did something yeah yeah you did, you did it something. yeah you did it you did something yeah. Which I love that, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, not to say either that. that money is the only, like it's, it, it's money is definitely not the only reason why you should be doing something, but it's, uh, yeah. but, but it, it's like you said, it's, it's a nice reminder that like, Hey, there was, you know, a time when you, when you did this and it's not for nothing. It wasn't, it wasn't for nothing, you know, it, yeah. it was, um, it's, it's had some kind of impact or is still resonating. Uh, maybe that's mm-hmm. a better word, right? So, um, you know, if that's plays on serious, then that's great. Somebody out there is still hearing what some, some art that you yeah. made. And I mean, like, this is one of those on top of like the, I was so happy when I saw that the, this, this album Kobayashi's, uh, was on a uh, Spotify and, you know, right. to see what they're they're that they're still getting playtime and that, and. Like I can all, I always sort of imagine myself in some somewhere far, far away that's never heard about these guys or never heard of anything like that, and run across and just been like, "Wow, this is really, really cool." And then, well, and I know when we first discussed this, one of my stipulations was I was like, "Can it? I, I would just, I'd like it to be something that's sort of readily accessible." And you were mm-hmm. just like, "This album's on Spotify." <laughs> you were just like, "Perfect," <laughs> you know. So one of the things like I would have loved to do Happy Friends by Grey Boy All Stars, but there's only one song on there on 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 Spotify, which is the song that you need to listen to, which um, right. I think I'd said it was a uh, um, it's not happy. Uh, yeah. Happy Friends. Um, yeah. A town called Earth is the album, but Happy Friends, the song Happy Friends yeah. is on there. And, and you've sent me the link and likely what's going to happen is uh, in one of my Between Albums episodes, I'm going to play that 
for our mm-hmm. listeners. And so if you're listening to this, if you want to be able to actually hear the song as part of my show, you'll have to listen to the Spotify exclusive episodes. So go subscribe on Spotify and you'll get the, the bonus content with music. So we're, I mean, we're, we're well past the, the halfway mark of uh, the album. Uh, we're coming toward the end of shadows. Um, I, I, I can't help but, uh, you know, bring up uh, my own music and musical journeys, et cetera, and bands that I played in and whatnot on the show. It happens a lot because there have been a handful of albums where I've been like, hey, I was in a band in university and we covered this song. But when I heard this and I heard the turntables coming in, I was like, I think I got a story. Do you want to hear about my band in high school? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. No. Of course, this is your you show, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you have to listen to me now. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I play guitar in high school, but I didn't play guitar in a band. What I did play in a band was turntables. Briefly. For about a window of four or five months, me and three friends existed in a band that they had started separately from me uh, as a hardcore band, but then kind of decided like, I don't know, we want to try something else. You know, it'd be fun if maybe we could, Mike might want to come like try and like scratch records over all the noise that we make. And we got together and sort of like jammed and... They just started playing like kind of weird, funky improv and stuff. And I scratched over it and we were all like, well, this is the best. Let's do this forever. Mm -hmm. And so my next, uh, you know, the next Saturday mornings, afternoons for, I don't know, the foreseeable several months were spent with uh, my band. The band's name was named before I joined the band. I will say this. Um, That's not a defense of the name. I... I, I, I appreciate the name of this band because of how ludicrous it was. The band's name was Nails in Your Eyes. So that's yeah. who we were. And we played both a high school assembly. We played a uh, bowling alley show, as many young people from where I come from do. You play, mm-hmm. a show, you play a show at the bowling alley because they'll let you go play there if you just ask. So, and then, and then you call it a show. Um, and, uh, we also played my high school's annual music festival, St. Patsapalooza. Um, and, uh, and I gotta tell you, people loved it. (laughs) I mean, I think people were often a little confused by it, but they appreciated that we were doing something other than Dave Matthews band covers. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, a it was a crazy, uh, few months of making a lot of noise in a friend's basement. And I, 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 and, and I do miss it. Like it was, I, I, I regret nothing about it. It was so fun, uh, getting together. I remember, I, 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 I do recommend everybody try at some point to like be in a band if you can. Uh, it's, it's making music with other people, I think is the funnest thing in the world. And, uh, making music with like three of my best friends in high school, um, as crazy and nonsensical as it was, was like one of the funnest 
memories of 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 my my youth <laughs> well that was one of those things i always felt um jealous of musicians uh I, i've always sort of been uh adjacent to a lot of musicians to like i have a lot of friends that played in a lot of bands and i used to be like uh definitely always going out and seeing shows and following them around there was one mm -hmm. band uh called uh bleeding orange that was like a uh they were a uh why am i losing a punk hard rock band Mm -hmm. And they used to call me uh, Rody James because I was always there to help them to move stuff around afterwards. And <laughs> it was a funny story. Years later, I ended up going to a uh, one of the members of the band was uh, pretty high up on a at a, a club in downtown Montreal because uh, he's he got into the bar scene and the club scene and he was like managing at a club. And uh, my wife, one of the first times that I went out with my wife and all of her friends, uh, we tried to go to this one big club, which I hate. Um, and so I was really happy that we weren't able to get into. Um, but uh, we were just like, okay, now what are we going to do? And I was just like, ah, oh, you know what? My, my friend's club's just down the road. Just let me give him a call. And he's like, oh, sure. Come in, tell the box, uh, tell the bouncer that you're there. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, cool. So we show up to the club and there's a big, big lineup to get in. And I walk right to the front of the line. I go up to the bouncer and I say, ah, oh, go tell, go say that Rody James is outside. And the bo bouncer looks at me strange. I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. I, you know, I, I know. Mean, trust me. <laughs> trust me. Go to so the bouncer goes in and then he comes back out and he's like, right this way, opens up with me. And, and I think it was at the time, like five girls. <laughs> <laughs> right in the oh. front of the line walking not only that walked in and uh, and all your all of your now wife's friends are like he's a keeper <laughs> yeah well that's uh i made pretty good like yeah it, it was it, it was a it was a good start to my uh relationship <laughs> uh, oh that's brilliant but uh very very much uh i i miss that feeling and they, like there was other bands that i used to hang around with uh there was you know different stuff too so like i would talk before about my friend kyle moray who was a jazz player and for a while he him and another friend uh thomas durant who was a drummer did this weekly jazz show at a bar that uh they called it jazz in the point where and they were just getting a lot of jazz um uh, a lot of jazz players in montreal a lot of the guys that would probably be playing more like the like not backup, but you know, the a lot of time jazz players they don't have one band they play with, they play with multiple bands, or they yeah, yeah, yeah. when they need somebody, they'll call somebody into it. And so like they're having like a jazz show of rotating every every week. And like I was there all the time. And I, I was a graphic designer and so like I helped do a lot of their branding and helped to uh, sort of create that. I was doing uh was it a poster every week for the for every different person that was being featured. Uh, it, it was fun to be sort of part of that scene, even though I wasn't a musician. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I, I find like, you know, just doing like any, any, anything that gets like your, your creative juices flowing, you know, and like working with other people, collaborating with other people. I mean, uh, part of the reason I started this podcast was basically like to, to scratch an itch. Uh, mm -hmm. that I had and um, for better, for worse, lockdown sort of gave me an, an excuse and and uh, the tools that I needed 
to, to produce it. Um, and, and so it's been a great way to, uh, to discover new music, to uh, chat with, uh, with a, a whole variety of people about music that they love, whether or not I like it. And I think 99% of the time I end up loving it. So... <laughs> Well, you know, it's, 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 this is very inspiring. Like, um, I, I've actually sort of like coming to the end of a, um, I, I, I quit podcasts for a few months. Uh, mm -hmm. I was listening to many of them and I had stopped listening to music for like three or four years. I was just listening to podcasts and constant rotation of podcasts and mm -hmm. things that like, I, I, it got to a point where, um, yeah, I was just, I just got too, too much of it all at once. Um, but I've been got very, I'm very inspired by podcasts. I love that the, I love the way that you can just through a conversation, get to know things and through, through people. So like, I was just like, yeah. I, you know, one day I want to try to produce my own. And, and, uh, and yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's <clears throat> more, uh, it's more accessible than ever to, to, to be able to make your own too, which is something that I like being able to get it out there. Uh, you know, those were years ago, the first time I, I ever tried doing anything, those were the sort of hurdles was how do I distribute this? How do I get oh. it out there? That part has become so much, uh, easier and streamlined. Uh, so, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's all kinds of tools and options uh, out there for people. Uh, to to get things going if uh, if they want to so if uh, if you have something you want to do or you have something you got to say there's nothing stopping you from being able to do it now which is uh, which is great well that's so that's when I I mean I I told you to introduce me as somebody that's uh, dedicating themselves to them to the multiverse and um, full disclosure I really really hate the name multiverse I I really multiverse dislike or it. metaverse. So, uh, metaverse. Okay. I said multiverse, yeah. Um, I really hate the name, the metaverse. Um, mm. uh, it, 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 it's very much not how I see it working, actually working or not how like, seeing it getting adopted. But what is very interesting to me about it is that it, it helps to bring down the barrier of a lot of the creation, like even with sort of stuff like in the gaming now, video games have all been sort of they're they're all built off of uh video game engines yep which if you don't know about video games that like that's like you have the video game engine and then basically uh there's a lot of custom programming that happens to make certain things a little bit more interesting but yep. it's at the base level it's the same game engine and you're just changing all the characters in it yeah well, like a lot it, it, of the it's sort of like this is the this is the physics behind the world and then we kind yeah. of add on to the like the front of i i, I can't think of a, a a a a good way to explain game engines to <laughs> to uh the listener well, but I I mean, know this it, isn't and, about game engines but what well, i'm yeah, going to say enough, though yeah. about that is that it just and and you know they've a lot of the game engines a lot of the big top game engines have kind of gone free Yes. In the past uh, uh, five or six years where they're just like, oh, if you start making money, then pay us. But if you're just a and then a it's lot a of the metaverses are being built off of this type of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and that bringing down the barriers and the metaverses are making it a lot easier to develop games inside of. And so you're going to see a lot more people that are going to be able to create stuff that before the it was just too hard to make. Like you, you can't make a I, creative. I can only imagine what it would have been like if I had access to some of the tools that I have access to okay. now for free. In, oh, sorry, in, just aside, I always like this part of the song. Like they just go. Yeah, <laughs> a big they, meltdown. They and then... Yeah, they just have a big meltdown and they go into it. Like they just throw stuff together. And then the bass. Oh, we have added yeah. in the flute. And the flute, yeah. <laughs> and they just build it. They they destroy it all and then build themselves back up again. Very nice. Keys coming in. Swelling. Yeah. Here we go. I can, you can kind of tell that oh. it's building back up to something. Yeah. I'm really happy that you've introduced me to this album because I'm, I, it's going to enter the rotation. Yes. Uh, yeah. Organ, just... organ solo? You're giving oh, me yeah, organ yeah. solo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, this is an example of sort of something and, and to tie kind of completely like, so creativity is something that is actually really dangerous. Um, you don't do something creative because it's not guaranteed that it's going to work. It's not when you, when you do something creative, it's, it's, you can't like, especially if you're talking about money and return on investment, you make something yep. that's creative, it can either work or it won't work, but it's not guaranteed to work and so that's why you get a lot of like remakes and a lot of uh yep. you know you, the, the second and third. you know it takes it's a, there's a risk uh putting something out in the world i mean there's a risk of uh like like you said no return on investment or rejection mm. or whatever uh, one thing i do like is the idea that like like you were saying tools like unity are are yeah. free now right so if you're if you're an aspiring game developer there's nothing to stop you from starting to learn how to how to build a game because the tools are are available to you for free now i mean i think and, about and on top of it the like a lot of the tools are becoming even more easier to work with like it just yes. you don't need to know how to program anymore you don't need to know how to like even like building like a it's 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 dropping like in the same way that like photography now with uh cell phones people say cell phones killed the killed the uh killed photography but no yeah. it just opened up the door to photography so many more things so yeah. many more people like well it's the same way i mean a lot of the audio tools that i use when i'm editing the podcast or when i'm you know making my own music or whatever um there's so much that I have access, you know, years ago, you would have needed a studio and a mixing board and you'd be dialing in different frequencies to get your voice to sound right. And now there are plugins and tools and things that you can use uh, that will that will correct your audio in a way that'll make it more pleasing to the average ear, which is something I'm I'm still learning a lot about. But it's becoming easier than it ever used to be for someone yeah. 
like 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 me to 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 do this um you know i spend a lot of time editing these episodes and uh i'm constantly tweaking and adding new plugins to my my audio and stuff to clean up um personally my own voice because like most people i think i I think it's true of most people. I hate my own voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to listen to your own voice. And um, and it, you pick up on every little thing that nobody else probably notices is amplified to you a thousand times. Uh, so, but, but that all being said, I have the tools that I need to make things sound the way that I want them to sound, to correct things, to remove reverb to cancel out excess noise in the background it's um i don't know when it comes to digital like the world is just it's your oyster and yeah um, there's so much more that's opened up into yeah. it so interesting enough in that conversation that's still I, I really like trying to tie things over and tie it together so the, Bring it we're in. into the last song right it's a rex basin yep and it's very very dub influenced yes and the story of dub is (laughs) like the second year there's echoes and stuff on drums we're we're into dub but like like i i love the story of dub i love the fact that like dub you could kind of say was the first electronic music and dub was like dub was 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 uh um uh, reggae producers in that uh, in Jamaica that were just fooling around with their equipment or cause like that. Oh. I remember listening, uh, or I, I can't remember where it was. It was, I was, I, I can't remember if I was listening to it or if I was, uh, read about it or, but they were talking about how, like the problem with all this recording equipment in Jamaica in like the sixties is that when it broke, there was nobody to fix it or they couldn't just go down the road and buy a new one. And so like, they just started getting really into hot hot rodding it and and you know right. and it broke it and modifying it and then they would create these weird things and weird sounds speaking of weird sounds melodica yeah there it is <laughs> there it is uh but like <laughs> it just like just the it, it's an example of like creativity through um uh uh, through serendipity, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Saying that right, where it just like they they were. It wasn't that they wanted to be creative. It was just they had nothing else to do. They they couldn't. You know, you had this equipment that was like either it's you're gonna throw it away or you're gonna play around with it or you're gonna try to yeah. fix it or you're gonna and, and and by fixing it creating new things and and then and then that that culture finds its way over to New York for like what mm-hmm. becomes the early ages of hip hop, right? And mm-hmm. literally, I mean, some of uh, some of the earliest uh, hip hop like DJs, um, like uh, uh, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Um, like Grandmaster Flash, he's literally cracking open things and soldering them and inventing the like uh, not the crossfader, but like the cue, right? Like, so he's been able to listen to a record without you hearing it so he can get it lined up to play the next thing, right? Like he's literally tinkering and inventing the technology he needs to express himself creatively. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of that too is also coming from like all that early dub music coming over. They're just like grabbing all those records. Um, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna flub so many names here. Uh because it's like cool herc. Yeah, it's cool herc. I think that brings the sound like like the dub, the sound system parties it brings mm-hmm. it to New York, right? And yeah that culture starts to grow and other people, and then they all start talking to one another and sharing their ideas with one another and invent a genre of music that has, I think we could all agree, stood the test of time. It's become <laughs> the most popular music in the world. Right? Yeah, I mean, it um, overtook, know? I remember, I mean, this is years ago, I remember hearing how it overtook rock and roll as the, yeah, there was, uh, you know, back in the uh, like early mid 2000s, it was a thing, too, where just like turntables are outselling guitars. <laughs> right. It's just like like because people are learning how to how to DJ. People want to learn how to spin records. Um, mm-hmm. it, like it's like these things are like just the there's this is a systematic shift, you know. So I'm I'm way into this. This is cool. Um, oh yeah, you know what? A, it, it's honestly this is an example of something that they helped to bring. They I I remember I remember them saying, "Okay, we're gonna go into some dub music," and they started playing like live in that, and me thinking like, "Wow, this is dub." Okay, this is cool. I like yeah, this. Yeah, I like this. You know, like they they introduced me, and even though it's not. It's dub sounding music. It's not dub, but it's still like it's dub. It's it's yeah. It's this wonderful yeah. sort of like um, again, uh, if 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 it was acid jazz, this would be like the the weed jazz, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw out a re- recommendation to the listeners and to you if you haven't seen. It. Have you heard of or seen the Small Axe? No. It is a series of films um, uh, on, that was done for Amazon uh, by Steve McQueen um, that covers, mm-hmm. I th- it begins in the late 60s and goes to the mid 80s uh, in the mm-hmm. UK. Um, and it, f- uh, it follows the, um, uh, the Windrush generation in, uh, in the UK. Um, episode yeah. two. Episode two is... Co- is is called Lover's Rock. It is was I think the best. I mean, I say episode, but it's really they're they're each their own little sort of like film. Um, it was one of the best things I saw last year, and it is like the best soundtrack to anything. It's basically it's it's the early '80s in the UK, and it's a house party, and it <laughs> uh, and it starts with guys wheeling in speakers and getting all the stuff set up. And I, oh my God, it is, it is, it is beautiful. It's amazing. The music. So what is it? It's called the axe. The small axe. The small axe. The small axe is the name of the, uh, of the series of films that Steve McQueen did. Um, Okay. But the second one is called Lover's Rock. It's, uh, it's, it's excellent. Okay. That's interesting. I'll uh, I'll put it on my list of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. As we wait for a couple other mm-hmm. series to start up again, I'm starting to look for things. But <laughs> yeah, it it was really good. It's only five uh five episodes, but um, yeah, it's it's uh it's quite good. 
I I would recommend it. It just um yeah, it's a uh, little kind of time capsules of um different periods uh in 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 the uh the history of um of the UK, I think a history that a lot of people uh probably aren't very aware of uh, depending on how you grew up or who you know. So I would recommend that uh that people watch The Small Axe. No, that's uh yeah, that sounds like it's on my list. Mhm. But uh no, this is this has been a very interesting conversation. I like this style because like, you know, <laughs> we haven't really just jumping from one thing to another. Um I mean, it's, like uh- I try to keep it very fluid, as I always say. Like sometimes the conversation will be a little technical, uh, a little historical, but mostly it's always personal, right? So uh, we 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 play the album and we listen, and whatever conversation comes out of our listening of it, uh, it, it we just sort of let it go the way it goes. You know, that's it. I, I was I, I was talking to somebody about how like. Like um, I, I, they recently moved to King, uh, Kingston, and yep. um, uh, and they have a house there. Uh, and I was just like, oh, you know, one day we're gonna, like, we're just imagining, just like sitting on his back porch, listening to an album, drinking beer, like just the, and 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 talking. And like when I come to Toronto this uh, for for the holidays. Like I think we're gonna just have to get together and have a, a little sort of like bro time and I, <laughs> listen to absolutely. albums and do this live. No, absolutely. live without recording. Live without recording, right? Because obviously, <laughs> I mean, when you're aware that you're on microphone, you know, like it's uh, it changes the, the dynamic a little bit, maybe. But like I, I try and keep it as sort of honest and conversational as as I otherwise would. Um, and we're winding down. And that is, that's it. I'm going to let mine play. I'm going to ask that you do the same because I want, I like to see what is the crazy Spotify algorithm going to play next. Now for me, for me, it just started playing another random song from the album. It it started started playing Shasta for me. Um, what did it play for you? I don't know where they got this from. <laughs> this is okay. Um, I, uh, so I've never heard of this band before. It's called, and I'm gonna say this wrong. I think they're, they're I think they're German. Okay. Um, it's uh, Pascal, P A S C O W, and the album uh, is called Grishtin. Die inner. Oh wow! I <laughs> what? Wow! Whoa! I, I think I, I found don't, it. I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. I don't listen. I mean, it's what? they sounded like. Uh, what did they sound? I mean, just at a it's gl- German punk. It is right. So at, like at a glance, this looked like uh, well, the the image for Pascal. If I am looking at the same one you are, um, it, it looks like a like a like black metal. No, not black like, metal at all. Uh, punk, punk, definitely what's, punk. What's the name of the song? Um, Poison Ocar, Mademoiselle. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is very punky. I just meant the the image of uh, the Pascal artist uh, image uh, gave me very uh, like black metal sort of vibes. But this is pretty. I don't understand. This sounds pretty nineties punk to me. <laughs> what? I, yeah, I don't, except German. I, I, I don't know German, why. Right? So, um, okay. <laughs> well, Spotify, you continue to perplex us all. I, I think. Oh, I see. Now I see something that shows that. Uh, yeah, I, I see their their yeah their their image. Yeah. Um, with the, so, the yeah, that's definitely black metal. Looking. The imagery, like the the black and white makeup. So, yeah. And 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 very traditional punk in the sense that most of these songs are two minutes long. The album has thirteen songs and it comes in at twenty seven minutes. So, Pascal, all right, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for showing up. It's, it's, can I even? I, I just went to, uh, yeah, I just went to Wikipedia, but it's only in in German. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> I, I'm I'm so fascinated by the things that Spotify does. So I'm happy I, that I, I was able to get that... something different out of yours. Because usually I get like often I get a random song by the same artist, but uh, every once in a while it, sh it it it'll throw something really random at me, and. It did for you this time around, and I'm thrilled. All right, so if you want a quick, want something quick that's sort of interesting, and again, this is going to make it sound even weirder that this is the song that they played. So I recently, because it's the top, your top songs, songs of 2021. Okay. I was given sort of top ten. So these are my top. Do you want my top five or top ten? I don't know how long you want. Or give me your top five. Top five. Uh, uh, coming in at number five. Uh, Groovy Feeling by Fluke. Okay. Number four is Drunk Trumpet by Kid Koala. All right. Uh, number three is No Jive by DeFaz. Yeah. Number two is Easy to Remember by St. Germain. Mm hmm And then the number one is Dark Lady by DJ Food. All right. Okay. Okay. And um, interesting enough... Like if you would have gone all the way to ten, uh, was it uh, Midnight Ambulances by Kobayashi comes in at nine? All right. But uh, yeah, uh, so uh, if if anybody that recognizes any of those saw any of those bands would kind of see kind of more of a a line of what I I'd been listening to. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's no very... German punk in that. <laughs> <laughs> so Spotify, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I think somebody's asleep at the week. <laughs> asleep at the deck. <laughs> Amazing. All right, we did it. Yeah. All right. Well, you... this is a long one, like you said, but uh, it was. I promise I... not to bring another super long one if we do this again. When well, we, do this again? we certainly will do it again. I'm sure we will, because I'd love to have you back. This is a great conversation. Uh, so we're going to mm -hmm. definitely have to do it again. This is great, though, to be able to share this band with you because, I, again, I, I can't I can't say enough how much of an influence that these guys had on uh, everything that I love about music. Like it just they they helped to open my mind to what was so much more that was possible. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, um, and yeah, I look forward to seeing you in person. Yeah, same, more. same, and I'm All sure right. that we'll uh, I'm sure we'll do this again. Yeah, sounds good. All right, thanks. <laughs>